This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Now we got some work to do today, but I want to tell you something as we get ready to kind of take off today. It's that one person can experience the same event and have two different reactions that two people can experience one event that multiple people can be in the same place see the same thing happen and contain afterwards different perspectives of that one thing that happened and It's a little odd, honestly, to do a sermon series and to spend five or six weeks really camping out in only about 10 verses. But there's so much that God has packed into this little section in Luke 15 that is so very, very important to us. But you have to understand that it's multiple things happening in the middle of one thing. As a matter of fact, I saw that this week. Uh, I don't, y'all know that this is like candy eating season, right? Because y'all, y'all probably have some kids that have some candy and it's just been crazy this week, right? I know, I know how it is. And so every year, for the last two years, Jimmy Kimmel, who's a uh, TV host on Late Night, if y'all don't watch TV, know who Jimmy Kimmel is. He issued this challenge to parents to the day after Halloween to tell their kids that they had ate all their candy and to film what happened, right? And it was funny last year, so he did it again. And I wanted to take a moment and watch this video because there's some lessons in here about how we can experience one thing, but to have totally different perspectives. Let's look at this video. That's some good stuff right there, isn't it? So, Jesus, in the course of Luke 15, tells a few stories. And just to set this passage of Scripture up again, I want to step backwards to the beginning of Luke 15 because it's always important in the context of Scripture to know who somebody is talking to because if you don't know who they're talking to, we really don't know the full context of what's being said. At the beginning of this chapter, Jesus is being grilled and questioned by a group of people that were known as the Pharisees. Now, these were basically, let's just say, modern-day preachers. They were the religious leaders in Israel at that time. And they have called him out a little bit because they feel like he is mixing with some people that a person of his stature, a religious leader, should not be mixing with. And he launches into three stories about three things that were lost. The first one is a story about a sheep that is lost, and a story about a coin that is lost. And then he starts into the story about a family. And last week, we spent the entire service 
looking at the younger son the week before at the father himself. And I told you that as Jesus is telling this story, there's two things to keep in mind. The first is that the story is not about the sons. The story, as Jesus is telling it, is an opportunity for Jesus to again reveal the Father to us. That's really what's happening in this moment. And the second thing that I told you is that Jesus is redefining in this story what it means to be lost. So as the story goes, the younger son approached the father. There were two sons and said, I want my portion of the inheritance. And the father responded to his son, which meant that he had to sell off property and livestock and to actually get liquid assets that would equal the third of his whole estate that this son was due. Now, again, I told you this is an extremely insulting statement for a son to make. It literally meant in the context of that family, you're better off dead to me. I would rather that you die so that I could go ahead and get the inheritance that's due. And so in this moment, essentially, this son is divorcing himself from his family. He takes the money, and the scripture tells us that he goes off and he lives in a wild way. And he blows it. He blows this fortune on wild living, and he finds himself in servitude. And Jesus paints the picture that he is now, literally, a farmhand taking care of pigs. Again, pigs are unclean for a Jewish culture that has divided everything into a clean and unclean category. To be feeding pigs was about as low as it could get, and this is how low he was. He wanted to eat the food that he was responsible for feeding the pigs. So one day he wakes up and he goes himself, he says, if I go home, if I could just leave and go home, my, the servants at my father's house have it a ton better than I have it right now. I'm going to go home and say, I'm not worthy to be your son. Just let me serve. The scriptures tell us in Luke 15 that while he was still a long way off, the father sees him and takes off running. He embraces him, kisses him. He puts a ring on his finger and a robe around his neck as a symbol that you are never going to be a servant in my house, my son. And most of us, as we've heard that story preached, it stops right there. But today we're going to look at the older son. The scripture tells us that he was out in the fields working when all of this went down. 
that he was doing what he had been doing for a very long time. He was being faithful, but when he came back, he heard the music, saw the dancing, observed the party, and called a servant out and said, what is going on here? Well, your brother's come home. And this is what's happening. There's a party going. My brother came home, the one that insulted my father, my house. He is now home and there's a party. And he refuses to go in to the party. So the father literally, get this, the father, as Jesus is telling this, leaves the party to go to the older son. And I want to read together in Luke 15, beginning in verse 28, as we wrap up this portion of Scripture. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him, but he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, the father, son, you've always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. It's interesting to me that in all of those stories that Jesus tells in Luke 15 at the beginning of the story about the lost sheep, the lost coin, there's the celebration at the end of each one of those moments. But here is a celebration going on for a son that we call him the lost son, the prodigal son that has returned. And at the end of the story, the father is not in the party. The older son is not in the party. They're outside arguing about the party. I told you last week that as we look at the younger son, that he's telling a story about himself, and the father is telling a different story. Last week, as we looked at the younger son, you look at the younger son, and you see him telling a story of the best that I can be as a servant. I'm a failure, but the father's saying, you're not anything but my son. I could never have you in my house as a servant because you're my son. And here, we see the exact same tension playing out again. Because the older son, when he says to the father, for so many years I have been serving you, that word servant literally means slave. For so many years, I've been a slave to you.
a father's son, not a slave. You've never been a slave. You're my son. Now, as I told you last week, we have to choose the same choice that these young men were faced with. We have to choose in our lives which story we're going to embrace and live out. Because most of us are telling some stories about ourselves. But if we're going to make history, we have to embrace his story in our lives. I want to go back to something that I told you earlier, and that's that Jesus is redefining what it means to be lost through this parable. He is redefining what it means to be lost. And in this story, just like the kids who were informed that their parents had ate all their Halloween candy, there's an event that happens with the son that returns, and there's two perspectives of how that event is embraced. And Jesus is showing us through that moment that both sons were lost. It wasn't just one lost son. It's not a prodigal who left and returned. We're talking about a prodigal father, a father who has given extravagantly to his sons. And two sons who blew it. You see, one, the younger son was lost in his failure. But the older son was lost in his faithfulness. If you're taking notes, I would write that down. You see, the younger son was lost in his failure. He blew it. He messed up. He, he took the money, ran away, and blew it. He's poor. He is now serving in a trough with pigs. He comes home, right? But this older son, he's done it all right. He's the one who stood behind. And where was he when the younger son came home? He was out in the field working, wasn't he? He was doing exactly what he should have been doing. But at the end of the story, there's a party that's going on, and he's not in it. And I want to remind you of who was sitting in this circle that Jesus was telling this story to. It was a group called the Pharisees a group of people who at one point in his conversation, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. In other words, you got it all right on the outside, but what's on the inside is dead and broken. 
See, this is one of the most difficult things to face in all of scriptures that you can do the right thing for the wrong reason and still be lost. You can do the right thing for the wrong reason and still be lost. Because the older son is completely lost. So I want to take a moment and really kind of get into this a little bit. Because you see, we're lost when we live a story that isn't centered on the Father. We're lost anytime our our story becomes centered and driven by anything other than the Father, we become lost. And I want to take some moments and look what happens when we become the older son. How do we step away from our story and begin to embrace his story when we've been the older son? And the first thing that I see is this, that faithfulness should be given to the Father. Faithfulness should be given to the Father. But we have, we have the ability for some reason to become faithful to the weirdest things. Any of y'all got some weird routines out there? I mean, like two of y'all are willing to confess it to everybody. But we will come, we will become faithful to some of the weirdest things. Like I have to have this kind of toothpaste. What? That's the only kind of toothpaste that will clean your teeth? That's it. And some of y'all brushing your teeth with toothbrushes is so old and nasty because you are faithful to them things. But we will, we will get confused about where to put our faithfulness. And let me tell you something that we see right in this moment that's at play that is extremely dangerous in your life and in my life. And that's that the older son became faithful to a behavior and not to the father. He became faithful to a behavior and not to the father himself. Now, I'm going to go somewhere this morning, and it's, it, it's a tough place, but I just feel like if we're going to go here, i got to share this with you. Because in this context, Jesus has the Pharisees, these people who are getting it all right in what they're supposed to do, but they're blowing it with what's happening for the reasons that they're doing it. That's who he's talking to. That's the point that he's making. If we step back into the very beginning of the story, In Genesis 1 and 2, it tells the story about how God made this world. He made everything. And 
Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Do we have that scripture to go up there? It says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God, in the very beginning, gave man one rule. That's it. How many of y'all would just take it? If God, you just stripped it all down, just one, I think I could keep that. Right? One rule, that's it. Don't eat from that one tree. And they blew it. Again, from the very beginning, God's showing us that if our story is not centered on the Father, we will always be lost. Even if all you had was one rule, we won't be able to do it without the Father being the center of our life. But look at the tree that he said you couldn't eat from. It was not the tree of gluttony. It wasn't the tree of lust and fornication. It wasn't the tree of drunkardness. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so when Satan comes to tempt Eve, he says to Eve, if you eat from that tree, you will be like God. And he wasn't lying. Because from that moment on, Humanity has been presented with a decision to define good and evil by what I think it is or by what the Father says it is. You see, the failure of the son, the older son, is not that what happened wasn't difficult. What? he did is completely rejected the decision of the father. He was defining what was right and wrong. You see, when we've placed Jesus at the center of our lives, he is the source of all of that. Just some advice. In following Jesus... Don't define following Jesus by a certain rigid set of behaviors. Because if it is one plus two plus three equals four, whatever that looks like, you will do one plus two plus three all by yourself and leave Jesus all the way out of it. Don't define obedience. Don't define faithfulness that way. Define faithfulness by the Father. The second thing that I see in this passage of Scripture is that we need, if we're going to embrace his story, not our story as an older son, we need to focus on giving, not getting. You see, the greatest story that God has ever told 
is literally about Jesus. And the story about Jesus with you and with me is not about God getting a whole lot for himself. It's about him giving. I mean, think about it. In the context of my relationship with Jesus, the only thing I actually get to give him is my sin. That's it. But in this moment with the older son, the older son, but you, you, you never even gave me a goat. You killed a, the fattened calf for this son. You never gave me a goat. And if we're going to embrace his story, we're going to have to realize that life is a lot richer when we give a lot more. The third thing that I see is that we need to celebrate other people's stories. This is a pivotal moment in the life of a family, a son that has blown it, walked away, left, has now returned home. I mean... Think about it. How many of you have had relatives that have just been lost and broken and you've prayed for years and years for them to come back? And then they come back. And it's just like, wow. And this is a moment to celebrate. But this older son doesn't do that. And when we get in that position, when we start to focus on behaviors more than we do on people or on the story that God's writing, what happens is we start to reject people that don't have the right behaviors. And we can't celebrate the stories the way that God intends to celebrate it because in this passage, the Father says we had to celebrate. Romans 12, 15 says, just in real simply, that we need to laugh together, cry together. That that's what real community looks like, that we celebrate and affirm the moments that we walk through together. And we need to celebrate other people's stories. And the last thing that I would point out is that we need to make the Father the center of our story. There's a line that the older son says in this that I think is really telling for us. In verse 29, he says, you've never given me a goat so that I can celebrate with who? My friend. Like, I see there's a party going on and it's all about family, but that's not the party that I want. That's not what I want right now. Because what I've wanted all along was something that didn't have anything to do with you. I wanted a party with my friends. And it is really, really, really easy to get into that place. 
when we start to redefine what our relationship with God should look like. And we think, well, it's got to be this, and it's got to be this, and it's got to be this. And then all those people that aren't doing that, well, then they're obviously, they can't be my friends or be around me because they're blowing it because they're not doing this, this, and this. And then this, this, and this, whatever that is, becomes the center of your world. And you can do that without the Father. We can pray without the Father. We can do miracles without the Father. Don't know that? And we can see phenomenal things happen without Jesus. And I want to tell you something as the pastor of this church, I'm committed that we will never be that church. Right? Jesus at one point says that in the last days, there's going to be some people that come to me and say, but I've cast out some demons. I've performed miracles. And he said, I'm going to tell them, get away from me. I don't even know who you are. Through this passage of Scripture, Jesus is teaching us something that's really important. And it's important for everyone in this room because he levels the playing field. It's not how wrong you are. It's not how right you are. It's how much have you surrendered to Jesus. You see, a story that makes history is not my story because my story could be I've done it all right. But that's not a story that makes history. A story that makes history is his story embraced in my life. So as we get ready to close it down, last week I asked you when we were looking at the younger son who returned home, I asked you this question. Is the story that you're telling about yourself right now, is it more defined by your failure than by the father? As an older son, I would ask you this question. Is the story that you're telling about yourself more defined by your faithfulness than the Father. Are you saying things like, why has this happened to me? I've been good. Are you saying things like, I don't deserve this? Are you using phrases like, God, I'm mad at you because this is happening? Is the story that you're telling about yourself right now more defined by your faithfulness than by the Father? Because as we look at the older son, we see someone who was defining his story by what he was doing. And here's the dangerous thing. The scary thing for me is that at the end of the story, that older son is outside the party. And he's done everything right. 
And I don't want you to miss it because I don't know if y'all know this, but when Jesus throws a party, it's a good party. And I don't want you to miss out on what God has in your life. Because we get so locked up trying to tell our own story. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this moment. Lord, we just want to thank you that you can remind us from time to time that even if we're doing the right thing for the wrong reason, we're still lost. And it's really easy to get there. It's really easy to get into that position where we've broken it, messed it up. And so, God, for some of us today, I just want to ask that you would, through your grace and mercy, remind us that all we have to do is embrace your story. We don't have to. We can just right now in this moment stop living our own story. So without a whole lot of fanfare, I just want to ask a question across the room. Nobody looking around, just eyes closed, heads bowed. If you're here today and you would say that, you know what, I've, I've never even begun to take a first step to live out the story that God would live through my life. I, don't, I haven't even taken that first step, but I'd like to. I'd like to today. I'd like to at least take this first step. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to make you stand or go anywhere. I just want just to pray with you. If that's you, would you raise your hand? And what if today maybe some of you that are in here Maybe you'd say, you know what, I've been, I've been the older brother. I've been this brother that has, I've been this person that has defined my story a whole lot more by where I've been faithful than where God has met me. I've really been writing a story that's a lot more about me than about the Father. And so if that's you today and you recognize that and you just say today, you know what, I want to end that. I want that over with. Today, I want to embrace his story in my life. How about you raise your hand too? That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to pray for those of you that raised your hands. God, for us today, those of us in this room, those of us that have felt... walk away from a story that we've been living in, really begin to embrace your story through your grace and mercy right now. Meet them where they are. In the difficulty over the next few months and weeks and even the next few moments, God, give them the courage and the strength to do what is right. So that collectively, we as a church don't miss out on the party that you have for us. That we got to embrace your story and live out the greatness of your call. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Amen. How about a hand clap for those people who've made a decision today to embrace God's story?